Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Hello, Let's Get Vulnerable listeners. I have some exciting news for you. Right now, there are limited spots available in the ESL Relationship Program. This program is designed to take you from your current attachment style and move you to a securely attached woman who is attracting the kind of relationship that you deserve a healthy relationship, somebody that you can grow and build with. But most importantly, it is designed to take you to the version of you who loves herself and knows how to show up unapologetically in dating and life and to have fun dating. So make sure that you apply to the program as soon as possible as spots are incredibly limited. Use the link in my Instagram bio. It says apply now. You can also find the link in the show notes. Before I forget, for the month of February, I am offering 10% off the investment price of the program. You do not want to miss this. I rarely offer a discounted price on the program. So in honor of Valentine's Day, I'm offering the 10% off. So make sure that you apply now. Use the link in my Instagram bio or the link in the show notes. Make sure you do this before the spots fill up. Once they are gone, they are gone. And trust me, they will be going quickly, especially with a discounted rate. So Go apply now. Your future self will thank you. Welcome everyone to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. And we have a very special guest with us today. We have Dave Glasser. Welcome, Dave. Hey, Dr. Morgan. Thanks for having me. So glad you're here. I am going to do a introduction of you. So here's a little bit about Dave. He is a sports performance and Enneagram coach who is passionate about sharing the benefits of fitness, nutrition, and personal growth to improve mental health. After a couple of breakups in 2017, he discovered that our relationships play a big role in our mental health and found the keys to self-awareness were through understanding his challenger personality type. Since that time, he's been inviting others to learn about their Enneagram personalities, attachment styles, and love languages on the Believe, Be Real, Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. Whoa. That was <laughs> a mouthful. <laughs> well, you Thanks. know what? I love it because we have so much in common. It's crazy. Yeah. Just the, the personal training background, mental health, fitness, obviously attachment theory, um, love languages, all of it. It's, we're like 
And what else? We're both challengers on the Enneagram. We're both type eights. Are you an ENFP too, Myers-Briggs? No, I'm an ENTJ. So if you want to, if you want to analyze me based on that too, have that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We share the type eight. Um, and you know, I think that there's just so, so much we can talk about. So, but I, I basically was like, we've never talked about the Enneagram on the podcast before. So it needs to happen. It's such an important tool. Like why has it not happened? So it's a ton of fun. So much fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it that got you first interested in, in learning about it? Um, as a personal trainer, I had some clients who were just talking about it nonstop in their group training sessions. And they were talking about this really fun workshop that they went to the night before. So they came to see me at their group training session the day after. And I trust these people. I love these people still to this day. They're like three of my favorite clients I've ever gotten the chance to work together with. And I'm like, what, what is this Enneagram thing that you're talking about? So, um, I took my test. Um, I actually went to the same, um, website that they booked their workshop through. And it's a local, um, Enneagram coach here in Denver who specializes mostly in like corporate relationships and things like that. But when I took my personality assessment, I got my report. It's like five pages long. It's so in depth, but I was in a relationship that was struggling at the time. And I, I looked through my own type first and I'm like, okay, this is kind of spot on, but I'm a little bit wary of going into the shadowy side, which is like, I might not be as healthy as I thought I was, you know? And so I go to this workshop and what she does, she chooses to bring people from each of the Enneagram types up on a panel and ask them questions in a fun, innovative, interactive way. I was the only eight in the room. Oh, you know, (laughs) which is great for us as the eight, because we do kind of like that limelight and we want to be the only leader in the room. Right. Yeah. And so I'm holding the mic and she's asking me all these questions and uh, she's like, Dave, did you, do you resonate with this? And I'm like, you know, I used to do that, but now here's a story from my life about where I actually um, help people versus cajole them into doing what I want them to do. Right. Mm And all this stuff was resonating with me of like, wow, that seems like I'm coming from a place of growth and not from a place of shadow, right? Yeah. Before I get home from that workshop, I have a message in my Facebook messenger inbox and it's a client reaching out and she wanted to work with me. Oh, wow. And I, yeah. And I, just because I was up there on the panel and I was being authentic and trying to be strong and vulnerable all at the same time. And wow. And I kind of connected the dots of like, wow, if I can show up like that in my professional life or in my personal life at a fun workshop and people are gravitating to that, huh, what else, what other areas can it benefit me in? But my key, yeah, yeah. My key takeaway from the workshop though, is that I'm sitting there listening to one of the other panelists, uh, group, the type two up on stage and I'm listening to them talk and I'm like, oh my God, this is my partner at the time. This is why we're having so many problems in our relationship. And so I go to like the compatibility side of the Enneagram mm-hmm. and I'm like, this sheds so much light on where we're at right now. And I brought it home to her. I, I showed it to her and I asked her, I'm like, hey, will you take, will you invest, will you go deep into this with me? 
and she didn't want to grow and I did. And that's where really what kind of divided us. That was the first of the two breakups in 2017 that you mentioned earlier. Wow. This is talking about one of the most important things of any relationship, which is two people who want to do the work and grow together. So when you present that opportunity to someone and they're not in, that's that's a sign right mm-hmm. there. So, mm-hmm. wow. So, so you as a type eight, which I'm, you know, I'm so interested in because that's me too. It's like uh-huh. very selfish. Um, <laughs> like, not at not at all like an eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look at me. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. So, like, how did you start to learn to use that in your dating life? And I think the other piece, because you know, let's get vulnerable. We talk a lot about attachment theory. The other piece that is so fascinating to me is how you've kind of connected it to mm-hmm. attachment styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love your podcast. I listen often, you know, oh. um, I'll shoot you a message every now and then of like, yeah. wow, that you're like literally talking to me when you're talking about the fearful avoidant attachment style. So what I started to understand is from that breakup moving forward is that each and every personality type on the Enneagram, there's nine of them. um, We all hold some bit of each of the nine within us. And we just kind of tend to gravitate towards these behaviors of one type over all the others. And generally speaking, um, it comes from like a a circumstance or situation or repeated situations in your um, late childhood, early teen years that solidifies your personality type. So if you had, say, like my teenage years, I had a trusted individual step over a boundary. Well, that would solidify the type eight for me where like being vulnerable is actually um, going to get me hurt. You know, trusting others with my whole heart will get me hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the personality got solidified for me. So if in the future, fast forward, like 20 years later, I'm in a new relationship and those things from our childhood, late teen years show up in our adult relationships. I think I've heard you say that before. In fact, Mm -hmm. that like, okay, well, my partner at the time when I went to this workshop had lied to me about uh, losing a job. She didn't tell me about that for six to eight weeks after it happened and we were living together. So when we were coming up on a new lease term, I like, wait, this is part of our discussion. I I don't know if I can sign another lease with you because you withheld that information from me. Not because of the money, not because you lost income, because if we're partners, then I'll work it out with you. It was the fact that you weren't honest with me. And as an eight, guess what that did? Like it just violated all of the trust in the foundation of our relationship that we had. Mm -hmm. And so it really kind of eroded that repair, trust, partnership idea that I had in my mind. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. So much there. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) like, I I love your story. I love the, I love the vulnerability um, and the, the piece about honesty and trust. I think all of us have different pieces that are priorities for us of like values, right. Of what really, really matters in the relationship. So having that, that trust piece be broken. And of course it comes like something like that comes up as you're making a decision that would be more investment. People don't realize this. Like a lot of times the shit in our relationships come up as we're taking those bigger investment 
steps. Okay. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And you, you, I think you asked me another part of that question too, that I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Just about, I think your how um, the Enneagram and the attachment style piece kind of connects for you and how you connected those dots and maybe how the audience can start to think about connecting those dots too. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, So coming from the challenger personality type, um, we have nine levels of optimal health. One through three is optimal health. Like you're really doing well in your day to day Mm -hmm. levels seven through nine are not so healthy where we uh, find the shadow. And in order to do the work for me, it's stepping into the shadow identifying when I'm not at my best. And we can range through all nine levels in a day or in a month or in a year. Right. And you know, so you, every, every type, right. Has mm-hmm. the nine levels. And mm-hmm. the word that comes to mind for me is ownership. Yes. It'll ownership help us, of yeah. the shadow. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I like that, that you said we can range through all nine levels in a given day. Like you might mm-hmm. wake up and you're at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> you're not doing well. And yeah, you but do then you have your cup of coffee and you're yeah. back up to like a six or a seven or a five, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so good. So when I started to understand doing those check-ins with myself, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm at average health today. Maybe it's not best for me to go out on a date tonight. Or if I'm feeling my best um and I'm a one, two, or a three, say like in the morning where mm-hmm. I am, I'm not a morning person, but I operate at my best before noon, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a first date would be best to do 10 o'clock coffee as opposed to like uh, 8 p.m. drinks and dinner. You know, I don't drink very much, but that might not be my most energetic self or Absolutely. me showing up at my best self at that time. Oh, I was literally just, I've talked about this like three times this week with people. I love when that happens that the same topics keep coming back to you, but this idea of state management, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. State management and intentional interacting with your partner. So you're making sure that you are at your optimal state Mm -hmm. when, when you're together because you value the relationship and you want to, you want to care for it. So yeah, mm. I love that realization. I'm also the same. I would be a horrible first date at 8 p.m. dinner and drinks. Like you don't want to meet me then. I'm like, no. I will fall asleep at the table. <laughs> and not only that, but like I just kind of I just kind of lose a little bit of that edge that I carry with yeah, me, you know. The confidence, mm-hmm. the ability to be really interested in other people, right? Like holding uh-huh. space. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. And um, to finish off your question of how I really came to understand that the attachment theory and the Enneagram were related, um, it's based on the idea of one through nine, optimal levels of health. But let's just say like I was starting a relationship about a year and a half ago. We met in September and dated for two and a half months total. But what was happening for me um, over the course of that time is I, for the first time in a really long time, found that I was leaning more towards an anxious attachment style because normally I tend to be avoidant Mm -hmm. and um, I wasn't necessarily familiar with a fearful avoidant attachment style at the time where, Mm -hmm. but I did feel the pendulum swinging back and forth Mm -hmm. from secure to anxious to Mm -hmm. avoidant. Mm -hmm. And I started to feel this anxiety around this relationship of like, 
Okay. I'm not going to jump to conclusions that this person is seeing other people at this time. I can't. That's a story that I'm creating in my head, but it's what my gut instinct or my anxious attachment was telling me at the time of like, why don't I feel the connection moving forward? We're seeing each other weekly. What's holding us back? What's holding me back? Um, And then I started to create the story in my mind, like an anxious attachment style would of like making excuses for behavior and making up stories in my mind about like, um, why did they cancel the date? And so I started to look inward once again, ownership of the shadow, like you said, and I started to understand that like, I'm not operating at my best, most optimal health Mm -hmm. through the lens of the Enneagram and there's some polarity going on with my anxious attachment style coming up for the first time for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, Am I just responding to like the games being played or am I responding to an actual energetic um, experience here? Mm. And so I really started to look at that inward and um, why I bring up the Enneagram on the levels of health is because when I drop down lower end of that spectrum towards the unhealthy, I become more like the investigator on the Enneagram. Mm. And just by name, you could probably understand or um, divulge that, okay, I need to know the facts here. Yeah. Anxious attachment. Right. So if I'm lowering back down towards more like the investigator than, than the typical challenger. I need to know the truth and I need to know it now. Mm. So I'm going to continue to set dates weekly until I find out the truth. Mm. And eventually I did find out the truth that she was seeing other people. Mm. And that's, that confirmed a bias for me, or it confirmed the story that I'd created in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that wasn't the right fit for me. So while I had very strong feelings for this person and I wanted a relationship, I had to walk away for my own mental health. Mm, So powerful. Hard though. Hard. Yeah. Mm. It makes me think about the importance of trusting yourself. Um, Because sometimes when we're moving towards secure attachment and, you know, we're, we're being in that place where we're not being an investigator and we're trying to relax into love and we're trying to be secure. um, We can still get some of those gut feelings or get that intuition and really being able to trust it and, Mm -hmm. and honor it. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that story on a lot of different levels. My brain went like seven different directions. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it makes me think about, so just as we all have all types of the Enneagram, we all have all attachment styles People, I'm sure, oftentimes get that wrong with you too, with the Enneagram. But I know with attachment theory, they're like, oh, but sometimes I do this avoidant thing. And the the reality is, is you have all, all of the attachment styles. And then it's just, which one are you hanging out in the most, right? And for you, when you're at optimal levels of the Enneagram, right, you are at optimal levels of secure attachment like that that corresponds. So yeah, that's what it feels like anyways. Yeah. 
And that's really good news now that you say it that way. Why I find so much value in your podcast and your content is because like knowing that I have some secure attachment inside of me gives me hope Mm -hmm. of like, are you, are you saying that I don't have to live in avoidant attachment tendencies at all times? That's great. How do I get there? You know? Yeah. And this is, this is actually like a bit of a controversial thing that I say, because there are some attachment theory experts who will tell you that, nope, your attachment style is your attachment style. But I know firsthand from my own experience, from my client's experiences that you can move towards secure attachment, right? Like you Mm -hmm. can rewire your brain. You can change your behaviors. You, you can move towards secure attachment. And just like, just like Mm -hmm. with anything, you may have days where that earlier version of you is kind of creeping up and some of those old behaviors are coming back, but you acknowledge it and you choose Mm -hmm. again, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that. You choose again. And as you're talking, it brings up in me like, uh, I, I need to be conscious of certain things if we're going to choose again. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't make the right choice then, but in my current partnership, that's all I'm doing doing is choosing differently, yes. choosing more so from a secure place yes. um, and choosing the partner that I have now every day. Exactly. Ooh, so powerful. And I think uh, in the program that I developed, one of the first things I teach women is this practice called the morning alignment. Mm-hmm. And it's all about really getting in touch with that version of you who's securely attached, who has the relationship that she wants, who's operating at that highest you know, level of functioning. Um, so yeah, intentionally connecting to that mm-hmm. version of you and doing it over and over and over. And then it becomes who you are. Yeah, because you practice it and you get better at it over time. Yes, 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 yes. Uh-huh. Well, I know you and I are both examples of people who have, you know, changed our patterns. So I hope we can give people hope who are listening to this. If you feel like, you know, oh, you're stuck, or you're just going to have the same kinds of relationships over and over. Absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the choosing part is so integral for me. Yeah if I'm going to choose to be in a relationship that has the level of commitment that we're talking about, um, I need to make my choice best for me before the commitment happens. Like I never used to really be a proponent of dating more than one person at a time, but now I'm actually leaning towards that being a great game plan. Um, Mm -hmm. A great way to set your intentions for dating of like, I'll go out with two or three people within a month's time and decide kind of make the best choice for myself Mm -hmm. and then still not rush into that commitment, but give it some time, some space to breathe, some space to grow. And then we get to know the other person a lot better than say like, oh, I need to have the commitment because I'm a little anxiously attached. And then I realize that that commitment isn't the best fit for me. And then I do the pattern all over again. Absolutely. This is definitely where I talk about being a love scientist, gathering the data. You should have fun and love. I think what people do is they rush in and then they have these expectations of the relationship they want. And then their brain wants to only see the things that match up with those expectations. So mm-hmm. you miss out on valuable data. Mm-hmm. So yeah, We're kind of like painting a picture of who we hope the other person is. Yes. And sometimes 
if we can bring the Enneagram back into it is sometimes having too much knowledge of a tool like that is a detriment to our, it's, I love dogs, you know, (laughs) mine doesn't make a a sound. I think she's barked four times in the six years I've had her, but she's a lazy lab. I, Uh, oh my gosh. I wish mine wouldn't bark. So we were talking about, oh yeah, having too much knowledge of say like Myers-Briggs or too much knowledge of of attachment theory or too much knowledge of the Enneagram can kind of hold us, um, not hostage, but kind of put us in a box a little bit. Yes. Where we're almost like, I'm investigating who this other person is so I can fit them into the Enneagram type three, type five, type seven, type one box. And that's not what the tool is there for. No. The tool is there for me to use it to become more self-aware and conscious here Yes. so that I can invite in that love to do the work you're talking about, like becoming the scientist, collecting data on me and getting to enjoy the process of collecting data on the other person too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I always tell people love should be fun. Dating should be fun. You should enjoy it. And sometimes when you're in the presence of the other person, like take off the lab coat, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to investigate them, just be present and let it unfold. Mm -hmm. And then you can reflect on it later. Let me let this guy out. (laughs) Give me one second. Take your time. As we were saying, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Be in the presence, be in the presence of the other person, Mm -hmm. take off the lab coat, Mm -hmm. let it unfold. And it needs to be fun. And I I like this idea that all of these things are tools. So I think sometimes I'll work with women and they love attachment theory, but then they'll spend their entire dating process trying to figure out their partner's attachment style. Not helpful. (laughs) It's it's great to be familiar with how they interact with each other. Yeah. I think that that can be a very calming part of the process of yes. understanding. And now we can frame even better and more curious questions for our partner mm-hmm. of like, I'm loving this new framework of how to ask my partner questions. I don't ask why questions. I ask what and how questions. Okay, what came up for you when I didn't text you until noon that day? Or what? Um, how did that make you feel when I made plans for Friday night and then I had to cancel last minute? As opposed to like, why did you respond that way? Or why did you react in that moment? Because- Now we're taking out the, yeah, now we're taking out the opportunity for somebody to react versus respond. So true. Yeah. When you're asking why questions, I feel like that triggers defensiveness. Yeah. Totally. Totally totally triggers defensiveness. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah. Using curiosity. I'll I'll tell my couples I work with, I'll say curiosity is your superpower in relationships. (laughs) Like how can you genuinely want to know Mm-hmm. what your partner's experience is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love to remind myself to take out the assumption that I know everything that's going on with my partner because I know she's anxiously attached as a tendency. So true because people have the capacity to grow and change, right? Mm-hmm. Full believer yeah. over here. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, so I think people on the podcast know that I'm in a relationship and I actually kind of love that 
my partner knows nothing about any of this stuff, (laughs) like zero. (laughs) So I get to kind of like help him learn a little bit. Um, And I I think if it's both, like I've dated other psychologists. Oh, Lord. Mm. Like it's too much. A little competitive there. Yeah. Like what happened for you as we sat down? What's what's going on? And it's like, it's too freaking much. So anyways, Mm -hmm. it's actually been nice to date someone who's so out of this whole world. Um, It's refreshing. I'm sure I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to grow, you get to grow together, right? Like Mm -hmm. learn together. I think, yeah, you have to invite people to grow with you instead of force. Couples mm-hmm. will get in the habit of like trying to make their partner grow, but give them the invitation and then they get to decide. Yeah. Especially a type eight will at our, when we're not at our best, we might actually force them to come along yeah. on this journey with us. Yeah. But when we're at our best, we reflect more like the helper personality type, which is yeah. the two. Yes. And that, that's when the... Yeah, that's that's when the invitation occurs for other people to step into our world and get get curious themselves about things that we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I saw that you were you and your partner were doing jujitsu, right? Like that made yep. me think of that. So she's mm-hmm. doing that with you. Yeah, it was probably. Um, you know, in my hinge profile, that's where we met. I'm sure that I had a picture, um, either in the profile or attached my Instagram account to the, to the app. And I'm pretty, I live pretty publicly on social media, but not so much posting about my relationship. And so of course I had jujitsu pictures in my Instagram profile. And then we started dating. And I think around the time that we became exclusive five or six weeks in, she's like, Hey, will you show me uh, why you're so passionate about jujitsu for self-defense. Mm. And uh, so once a week, ever since, at if we can, if we have the time, because she's a busy professional as well, just like myself. And um, we try to make time for, for 30 to 45 minutes of jujitsu for self-defense once a week. And it really made me feel appreciated and uh, as part of this partnership that she asked to step into my world. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people make the mistake of thinking that you need somebody who's into all the same things that you are and your hobby, you know, they need to overlap, but yeah, that's Mm -hmm. not the case. Like when we have people who are different from us, it allows us to grow. A relationship is a vehicle for growth. So welcome the differences, get curious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's awesome. Thank you very much. And yeah. I, I love the the tool that social media is because we, you and I would never have met. And so then, true. and then I would not have gotten a chance to connect deeper with Leanna and Jared um, yeah. because of our connection. That's right. And now I think uh, they host a podcast as well. And they asked me who I would recommend for their podcast. And I said, okay, uh, you, you know, Dr. Anderson, um, how about Dr. Liz Fedrick in Arizona? I saw that happen. I was like, how right? that? it's, <laughs> it's a great, it's a great reflection for me to understand that when I'm operating at my best through the Enneagram yeah. lens, that things happen through me yes, and not to me or because of yes. me, they just kind of happen through. Yes. Whether that's social media, or, uh, I think that's the beautiful thing. I think as eight, sometimes we're like, "I'm going to make it happen," but when you're optimal, yeah. you just it just happens. 
it just right. Flows. We're we're nicknamed the Mack truck full of marshmallows. <laughs> Because <laughs> we come into the room like a bull in a china shop. But once you get past that exterior layer yeah. that's all rough and tough and guarded and not vulnerable yeah. at all, we're just a big, big teddy bear, big marshmallows on the inside. Definitely. Yeah. I know I had to laugh at the irony of me having a podcast called Let's Get Vulnerable when. I don't really like getting vulnerable that frequently. I love when mm-hmm. other people do. I love mm-hmm. to facilitate it, but myself. So it's been a huge growth area for me of how do mm-hmm. I share more openly? And I've just started doing that on the podcast more. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You you brought up uh, you brought up the jujitsu picture that I shared of my partner and I on Instagram, yeah. and that's a big piece of the vulnerability for me as a challenger is. I was living by this mantra of live publicly, date privately. Yes. And there's a certain amount of things that, yes, are always going to be private for my partner and I. But there are also things about our relationship because we're we're both living very consciously right now um, that is a gift for other people to watch and see it grow and see us be real and... Um, I know that that's part of her her gift to the world as well is the gift of giving love, you know, mm-hmm. of not not hiding that, not being secret about how love shows up in our world. And it was hard for me to make that first post. I'm not going to lie, of of our relationship. Yeah. Well, I think it's so great. You're leading by example. Who knows? Maybe I'll make one eventually. I'll stay tuned. <laughs> no rush whatsoever. It's uh, it's your it's, comfort level, right? Yeah. It's funny. My partner also does jujitsu. Um, and I'm like thinking about going because he's obsessed with it. Why is it that everyone uh-huh. who does it is obsessed with it? Like he goes every day, but I, I get it. Cause I go to the gym every day. So mm-hmm. um, anyways, it's just funny. Those overlaps. Jiu-jitsu for me as the challenger personality type is probably the best fit type of exercise that I can find because it brings the level of intensity that I want and crave in my life. Mm. Like our, our area of growth is to, look into our shadow and see where we lust, lust after uh, lust after intensity, lust after ex- excess, lust after. Uh, mm-hmm. So if I'm expending all of this excess energy that I have bottled up inside of me and I'm expending it on the jujitsu mat mm-hmm. in a healthy and a safe way, I don't bring that shit into my business. I don't bring it into my relationship. Ooh, I, I don't bring it into my so parenting. Much. You know, this is why I, just, I love boxing. I bet like boxing oh, yes. is one of my favorite workouts. So probably very sure. similar. Yeah, exactly and, how I started. Yeah. Okay. Before jujitsu, it was boxing and Olympic lifting for me. Yeah. Um, but if I don't go to jujitsu four times a week, yeah, uh, I'll start it. to leak out that negative energy. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting because I think when if I'm reflecting on this, I think I used to fill my need for intensity in my relationships, Mm. right? Like it's that whole thing of being attracted to chaos. I was attracted Mm -hmm. to very extravagant relationships. Like we're talking like people that'll fly you out to Miami at a short notice. Like it was, it was up and down. It was chaos, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, finding other, other ways to get those needs met. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
that's such a that's such a way that I resonate with your story so much is um, I do the same, you know, like mm-hmm. the eight has a tendency uh, to actually bond deeper through conflict because it does bring us that intensity that we crave. Yeah. And sometimes we can stir the pot a little bit in order yeah. to create that chaos for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those shadowy ways that we can recognize that we self-sabotage relationships. Yeah. This is why I had to do so much work about, you know, secure attachment is sexy, like secure is good, like so much rewiring around it's okay that nothing is happening bad in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Like it should be able to be calm and peaceful and feel like home. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So important. Um, what about, so this is my own, I wanted to talk to you about the pairing of eight and a one. So Mm -hmm. y'all, my, my partner right now is a one is his highest, um, on the Enneagram. So Mm -hmm. And then maybe just for those people listening who obviously don't probably have that same configuration, like what is the benefit of looking into the pairing of the different types? Mm, This is so much fun. I am so glad you asked me this question because um, since we have all nine types within each and every one of us, and we just lean more towards one uh, than all the other eight, um, it's it's more of a fluid system than it is an identifier. Uh, we don't want to necessarily put ourselves in a box because then mm-hmm. then we don't believe that we can change. Mm-hmm. And you and I have both talked already today that we've both changed over time mm-hmm. to become more secure with ourselves. So when we get into relationship and yes, we invite our partner to take the Enneagram assessment. Um, my partner happened to Um, in my hinge profile, I said, don't hate me if I won't stop talking about the Enneagram attachment styles and jujitsu or something like that. And so in our messaging, before we even met, she's like, where can I find more resources about the Enneagram and attachment theory? And so I shared with her a couple of resources and then she came back at me later before we even met. And I knew her Enneagram type and I knew her attachment style (laughs) But what my approach to this new relationship was from a conscious place was, okay, don't assume that I know everything about this person because of that. Right. So important. Mm -hmm. And if we're looking at the eight with a one pairing, we could do the same work and look at my eight with my seven partner, you know, and check on similarities and check on differences. But the common ground for, or the common concern for an eight and a one together is that you're both passionate about fighting for the truth and justice in your world. Mm -hmm. And the one comes at it from a place of very black and white, right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And the eight comes at that truth and justice in the, in your world from a place of like, how can I help the underdog? Mm -hmm. How can I fight for the little guy? Mm-hmm. And while that can be a very, very good pairing because you're both fighting for the, maybe he happens to fight for the little guy as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a social injustice in the world that you're both passionate about and you can both share. But what happens when you get competitive about that? Mm-hmm. Then we can kind of come up against some conflict. And um, that's why diving into your own self-awareness through your own Enneagram type is so important because it gives yeah. you grace and understanding for the other person and where they're coming from too. Yeah. 
I like this so much. And I mean, it's very true. I won't tell you what he does for a living, but you'd be like, oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyways. So I think what, what's interesting is I know within myself, I used to really get frustrated when people were different than me in certain things. Like I I wanted us to just be the same. And like one example I have is he's incredibly organized and detailed. Um, Just, and yes, very black and white. And I'm more like, I hate rules, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I won't even read, like I'll get contracts and stuff. And I, I have to have my assistant read them because I don't want to waste time on that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So anyways, what I've learned though, is I have to appreciate the things that I don't have. So the fact that he's organized, the fact that he's detail oriented, I appreciate what I don't have instead of, I think my shadow self or younger self would be um, actually insecure, but the insecurity would show up as like feeling annoyed. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, you want to keep everything perfect. So annoying. And now it's like, I don't have that within myself. I value that it's within you. Oh, that's so, beautiful. Yeah. That's a huge, huge growth area for me. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the eight and the seven. So that's you and your partner. That is supposed to be a really good pairing, right? It, uh, every pairing has their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, a, I have a I have an eight wing seven, so I can relate a lot to the enthusiast, mm. which sits next to me on the enneagram. And our wing is uh, the personality type on either side of us that we tend to swing back uh, and forth. Okay. So I'm an eight wing seven. She's a seven wing eight. So we have some overlap there and some relatability. Oh, that's great. So what I have to keep in mind is that when I invite my partner to do something, it's most of the time going to be a yes, because she, uh, her personality type basically invented mm-hmm. FOMO, mm-hmm. the fear of missing out. So like uh, the seven has a hard time setting boundaries because they don't want to miss out. And that's how they receive love is by participating in everything. Got it. And that's a little bit of the shadow, but it's also a really great place to um, have a fun, enjoyable partnership where, hey, do you want to try this new restaurant? Fuck yeah, I do. Hey, do you want to try this roller coaster? Yeah, I do. Hey, do you want to go on this hike? Hey, do you want to go for jujitsu? Do you want to go do do workout at Red Rocks? Like um, we hosted a Red Rocks workout this past weekend and she's like, yeah, I don't want to miss that. That's awesome. So um, I have to come to our relationship with invitations that are both healthy for us. You know, like I can't ask for everything because it will most likely be a yes. And Mm. I want to support her in setting boundaries that are healthy for her too. Right. Same thing for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So important to have that realization Mm -hmm. because then if you know that about someone, you also know that they may need your help in setting those boundaries or like really Mm -hmm. checking in with them or, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. There's another key component of our compatibility that like I was telling you earlier, when I'm not at my best, I go towards the investigator. And that's Mm -hmm. why understanding that it's a fluid system is so beneficial. Well, when my partner is at her best, she gravitates towards the investigator also. So when I'm not at my best and I'm sharing something that I have shame around, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, going into that shadow and being very vulnerable with my partner and saying, Hey, uh, this thing came up for me the other day. I could use your support on that. Where she's coming from is she's not coming from a place of like, I want to fix it for you because that's not her tendency. What, where she's coming from and why she's going towards the five at her best is she's like, I want to know everything about that so that I can support you through it. Mm. And that's a wonderful combination for the two of us Mm -hmm. because she'll do the work on her own without me asking her to do so, so that she can understand my framework over here. Mm. But while I'm down at the lower levels of health because of the shame, she's lifting me up by being at her best. And that's that's why that's one of the great pairings or great features of this pairing. So fun. I feel like everyone listening is going to immediately Google their, their pairing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you have any, and I didn't even prepare you for this. I'm sorry. Do you have any preferred websites or wh- where would you tell people to go if they wanted to look into this besides you, of course? Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> um, if you want to take a free test, um, it's 10 minutes, maybe at nine types.com. Okay. And your, your audience can screenshot their results and send them to, over to me via Instagram. That's totally okay. And how and do I'll, they find you on Instagram? Um, our handle is believe, be real, be bold. Okay. Um, and they're, they're welcome to screenshot their results and I'll send them another link. If they want to pay for a little bit more accurate of a test, they can go to the Enneagram Institute.com and click on um, one of the tests. It's called the RETI test, R-H-T-I. And then the Enneagram Institute will actually send them more detailed information. Oh, automatically. Cool so I've never yeah. done that. I'm tempted to do that myself. Sure. I, I invite everybody to do so. And when when they have additional questions that come up, because it's a rabbit hole and it's a good one. <laughs> if they want, if they want some help with a guide, then I'm happy to help. Yeah. And all they have to do is reach out and it's totally fun. Totally I fun. Um, I love it. To look in the mirror. And yeah. to see the greatness and to see the, to see the shadow as well. So this is so crazy. I feel like you and I could talk for hours. We're going to have to do another episode at some point, <laughs> but one of the questions that um, I'm coming up with right now for you is, so what is your growth area as a partner? Like, what are you working on right now? Mm. That stands out to you. Oh, that is, that is a great question because I found the Enneagram almost four years ago and I began my growth journey um, coming out of that relationship I was telling you about and then intentionally staying single for almost three full years after that. Mm. Um, I just never really found a good fit at the right time Mm -hmm. with the right partner that I was um, really ecstatic about taking the leap with, you know? Yeah. So now that I'm in a partnership that is very conscious and very open and very honest with each other, um, my growth area after about, you know, from day one, I mean, we really did get vulnerable on our first date. You know, I shared a story of my dad's marriage before my mom. That was a family secret until I was 16, you know? And that allowed her some space to share something personal about herself too. Mm. So I think that from date number one, I was already growing through relationship. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have gone to that area of growth without another 
reflection or mirror type in front of me. Like I'm part of a men's group. So I get reflections there and that will definitely take me a long way, but it can only take me so far because I'm not in intimate relationship with these men. Right. And, um, um, Hendrix, uh, he says we're born into and wounded in and healed in relationships. So yes. Harville Hendrix, that's his name for Imago therapy. Yeah. Imago. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm seeing that on a daily basis of like, when I choose to tell the full truth, the whole truth to my partner and let her decide what her best steps are for her life then that shows me my area of growth of like, mm. it's okay to be vulnerable and it's safe to be vulnerable. Mm, so good. And, and all I have to do is tell the absolute truth, no matter how much it's going to hurt me. Yeah. And we were so new in our relationship that I knew that these truths couldn't hurt, wouldn't hurt her in a, in a, like a, yeah. in a negative way, they would actually, it would actually show the both of us that we wanted to be invested in it. Yes. All of those shadowy, shameful things that I don't want anyone to know about, I can bring to the table and it's still a safe place for me. Yeah. So good. And yeah. It was so hard though. <laughs> Dave, this actually makes me think about real quick. Cause I talk, I talk about this with the women in my group. Like we need to completely squash the lie that men don't want emotionally intimate relationships mm -hmm. or that men can't be emotionally mm -hmm. intelligent or emotionally available mm -hmm. or that men won't do the work. Like men are craving this emotional safe connection just as much as women are. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And if you had asked me five years ago, the answer would be different because I have changed so much in that period of time. Mm. And one of the things that um, I've learned that's been so important for me to understand in relationship is that the masculine's wound is shame and the feminine's wound is abandonment. Yeah. And mm -hmm. both of those things can show up in the exact same scenario for each person. Mm -hmm. And the masculine or the feminine will experience something completely different mm -hmm. that makes them afraid. Yeah. And shame makes us hide. Right. Mm -hmm. And abandonment will make us cling. And that's yeah. definitely, that's a very apt description mm -hmm. of the, of probably the first emotion that comes um, mm -hmm. to the surface of like, mm -hmm. if I feel as if I need to hide from an emotionally intimate relationship, it's because I have shame about something. Mm -hmm. I'm not and, in some way. Yeah. It, and then, yeah. then are taught to not ever express that they might feel insecure. Mm -hmm. So of course, of course, you know, the shame prevents them from being in their emotional selves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I started to doing the, doing the reflection work with other men, it helped me understand that when I'm grounded and present in the moment with my partner, mm -hmm. I can be that vulnerable, emotionally available person. And if I'm met with some hesitation or some resistance, it's because there's work to be done there for both of us. So yes. Mm -hmm. Am I being as emotionally available as I think I am? Maybe not. 
So good. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. So good. Well, what, I don't think I've ever shared this with you, but one of my long-term vision plans, of course, type eight, I have many of those. Um, (laughs) but one of those is to eventually run a men's program because I know all of the things that I teach can also be helpful to men. And I know that men are craving this work just as much as women. So, um, if, and when that does happen, I bet you could be a part of it in some way, Dave, we would find a way. It'd be so fun. I'd love to collaborate. And you've been such a great resource for our community um, because I typically work primarily with women. Um, We do have a men's program and you're right. It's so similar that the things that no matter what gender, no matter what Mm -hmm. sexual orientation, no matter which energy you lean more towards masculine yeah. or feminine. We all have foundational needs. Mm-hmm. And until I learned what my needs were and how to ask for them, mm-hmm. I was always going to feel that shame and fear. So powerful. Well, I just so appreciate you coming on today and just sharing um, in the vulnerable way that that you did. And I know the audience will really appreciate it. I want to make sure people can find you. What is the best way for people to get in contact with you? I'd say Instagram is the best. Um, It's where I'm most present on social media because I like to keep some healthy boundaries there and some, some creating some space. But uh, what we're known for on Instagram is just sharing some really funny memes. Yes. Your memes Uh, are always so funny. And then also some helpful helpful descriptions of the Enneagram types that I I think the most recent one uh, was like, I heard recently that all cats are type Enneagram four and I can't unsee that. (laughs) That's so great. (laughs) You know, the drama person that just like swipes at anything that they don't understand and knocks it off on the, so, you know, things like that. We're just trying to have a a lot of fun and bringing some levity to the dating process. You you do that well. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Go follow him if you're not yet. Um, and Dave, I always ask this question before I wrap up an episode, which is if you were walking down the street and someone just randomly comes up to you and they want your best life advice of the moment, does this doesn't have to be written in stone forever and ever, but of the moment right now, what would be your best life advice for someone? Mm. That's putting me on the spot, but I feel as if I would say in that moment that self-awareness is the key to living a fulfilled life. Mm. The more that we learn about ourselves through whatever tool that you want to learn through, mm-hmm. my, my favorites just happen to be the Enneagram, Attachment Theory, and Love Languages. Mm-hmm. Whatever tool you use to choose to go deep, then that's where the key to having everything that you've ever wanted show up in your life. That's awesome. I love that. I agree. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you and can't wait to have you on again at some point. Let's do it again. We we oh. can schedule a follow-up uh, interview on our podcast over here. And there we go. We'll just go you, back and forth. 
Yeah, you and I, you and I found out so much in common on when you were a guest on the podcast. Yeah, I, know. I, w- I was born in Montana, you yeah. living in Montana. So we're wild. both into fitness. Yeah. So, so wild. all right, everyone, thanks for listening. And as always, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.